0: You're listening to the Blue Family Tree Podcast. We're here to help you rob the pension bank. It's your host, coming to you from Colorado,
1: Patrick Rice. Welcome back to this episode of the Blue Family Tree. Just like she said, our goal here is to keep you alive well into retirement. Take that pension bank for every last cent that you can, and when really to do so, we give you a few things to think about that will keep you alive and get you home safe at the end of every shift.
0: Thank you, Chandon, for that introduction. This is Patrick Rice at the Blue Family Tree, and welcome back to this episode of the Blue Family Tree podcast. First, before we get into anything else, I want to throw down the gauntlet for a challenge for all of my listeners out there. If you are in law enforcement, or even I'll I'll entertain the idea if you're just a close law enforcement supporter who has something you feel you can provide, Uh, but if you're in law enforcement and you want to take up this challenge, here's the deal. Chandon there, you heard his voice at the beginning of the episode. He is a great friend of mine. I want to work Chandon out of a job. I want you, my listeners, to shoot me an email at patrick.rice at the and let me know that you want to do the intro or the outro message. And we can even plug you in for both of those. And uh I'd love to have my law enforcement listeners from across the country who have something they think they want to share or something important that could save police lives. Contact me and set something up and we can talk and we can even get you on the show. The show is about you, it's from you and for you and everything about you. So get a hold of me if you feel you have something that you can provide that's going to help save police lives and we'll even record you for the intro and the outro and change up the voice on the beginning and the end that caps this episode every time it's on. Today we want to talk about the importance of having a good partner and of being a good partner at work. There's all sorts of things that a partnership means. There's all sorts of ways we can view partnerships. One of course that we're going to talk about today is your backup officer on the street. Now if you work for some agencies like LA or New York or a bunch of other the other big agencies I'm sure, you might have a backup partner right there in your passenger seat with you. And I don't even know how that all works. Uh those of you that work in those agencies probably have a better idea. Is one of you primary and the other's cover? Do you switch back and forth or is it always the driver, always the passenger? I, I don't even pretend to know how that works because that's not the world that I live in. As a matter of fact, I did a ride along a number of years back with LAPD. I have two brother in laws that work for LAPD and I actually had to ride with the sergeant because All the street level officers have two in a car already. And when those guys heard that I work by myself and I don't have a partner right there in my car. And that sometimes my backup is 20 or 30 minutes away. They thought I was the crazy one. These are guys policing the hoods of downtown Los Angeles. And they thought that I was crazy because I didn't have a cover officer in my car with me. So it's definitely a different feel for... Uh, backup and cover officers and being a good partner depending on where you're at in the country but the bottom line remains the same that if you're going to be a cover officer if you're going to be a partner you need to be a good partner you can't ever let your buddy down years ago we were looking for a bad guy and we've been looking for him for a couple weeks and we had a number of tips here and there about where this guy was at and uh... his name was jesus we'll leave the last name out for the purpose of uh publication here, but uh, we finally got a good tip one day that Jesus was a passenger in a car that had just left a local store and was headed back down in towards the center of our town. In order to get to the center of the town, you had to go over a bridge over the Colorado River. Well, one of the partners that I work with on a regular basis, a great officer, somebody I've come to love and respect and uh, always had a great working relationship with, I always knew that if he was on the call, everything was going to be okay we had a good working relationship we were able to read each other's lines pretty well well he was the only one that ended up pulling this car over and i was the second car right behind him and as we got this car to stop it didn't stop where we wanted it to which is your first indication right anybody who's been doing this for a minute you pick the location of your stop if the offender picks the location something bad might be about to happen. So that was exactly the case here. This offender passed several good positions for a nice traffic stop and ended up stopping in the middle of the Colorado River Bridge, right over the top of the river. Certainly not an ideal spot for a traffic contact, particularly with a man who we've been looking for, who we know is armed and dangerous and is going to cause problems for us when we go to arrest him. Well, as we exited our vehicles and started approaching the offender car, my buddy went up on the driver's side because he was the initial stop uh, officer, and I went up on the passenger side. And as we began approaching, I saw my my partner begin uh, accelerating his movement towards the car and drawing his gun. Uh, So I, of course, did the same and mirrored him on the passenger side and uh, quickly realized that what was happening was the passenger, I'm sorry, the driver had jumped out of the car and the passenger who was our target in the front seat he began trying to climb into the driver's seat. So uh, we get up to the car and we're yelling at him, orders, and we end up in a small physical tussle with him trying to drag him back out of the driver's seat before he could throw the car and drive. So picture this my partner is on the driver's side with the driver's door open and he's trying to push the subject out of the driver's seat back into the passenger seat i've got the passenger door open and i'm trying to pull him back in but he's got his legs straddling the center console and he's kind of wedged himself in there and he's trying desperately to get the car into drive and drive away he's got one foot his left foot over there all he has to do is get it on that brake and he'll be able to get this car into drive with both of us half hanging out of the vehicle we knew this was going to be a really bad moment if he could get that car into drive so my partner paying close attention and understanding what can't happen uh, does everything he can to pin that left leg down against the center console so it can't reach that brake and he can't engage from park to drive. I see that he's done that as a good partner. I can see he's done that and I'm very thankful and I know as long as he's got that foot pinned, we're pretty safe where we're at. So I start to reach for the keys to try and un- undo the the ignition and get the car turned off. And then we don't have to worry about the brake anymore. Sure enough, I'm able to get the keys out of the ignition and throw them on the ground. Now all we're in is a tussle with this guy trying to get him under arrest. Well, here's where things went a little bit south. As good a partners as we were and as much as we had worked together, somehow there was a miscommunication at this point. Uh, the extreme exigency was over as the keys had been removed. Now it was just a fight for an arrest and uh, my partner pulled out his taser and he tases uh, the subject in the car. Well at this point I have my ASP uh, under his arm on on his right side and I'm trying to wedge him out of the vehicle by providing leverage under his armpit with my ASP. Well all 21 feet of that metal conducting wire landed on top of my ASP and I took the ride right along with Jesus. Ultimately things went to the end and we got Jesus in custody after even more of a story which I'll spare you for now But uh, it was a great example of the importance of a good partner. If just one of us was there from the beginning, this would have turned out entirely differently and probably a lot worse off. But we both looked out for each other and for ourselves, made sure that the car wasn't going anywhere. We had good verbal and visual communication. But good partners have all sorts of different looks and feels and aspects to them, not just trying to take a bad guy into custody. A good partner is important in the locker room. A good partner is important in the briefing room. Sometimes a good partner is important in the sergeant's office uh, when you're standing tall in front of the sergeant's desk. A good partner is important at home. We need to check on each other. We need to constantly be up on each other and making sure that everybody's doing okay. It's not just about effecting an arrest safely, but it's about surviving a career. Having that good partner who's paying attention and is dialed in to what's going on with you and you with them is just as important as having an officer who you can rely on when you're affecting an arrest and sometimes it's a guy who can call you back I know that I remember there was one time my commander wanted to go into a house after a person that had fled on foot from a traffic stop and we had well I'll put it this way we didn't have any fourth amendment right to go into this house at this point uh, on top of any officer safety issues we just didn't have enough to go in there and my commander and I are standing at the front door hollering inside and my commander says are you ready to go in and I said well well, commander are you sure let's think about let's think about what we got and we stopped and we talked about it for a minute and my commander was extremely grateful uh... later that I had been calm enough to recognize the situation for what it was and and backed uh, and backed her off so That's a good partner. It's a good partner that can stop and look and see where we're at, what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done, and keep us all in check. Good partners will do everything they can to support you through your career and to whatever part of or aspect of law enforcement you choose to go into. A less good partner might be really good on the road and good at keeping you out of trouble and keeping your arrests safe. Uh, good testimony for you on the stand, things like that, but if they're not supporting you and pushing you towards your goals in law enforcement, then they're lacking some position in that partnership. A good partner is just much more than the guy that's standing on the passenger side of the car on a traffic stop. A good partner covers you all throughout your career and throughout your life. They keep a check on you and your family and you do the same for them. Without good partners and partnerships, uh this career can be very deadly. Without a question, one of the greatest partner stories uh that ever happened to me in my career was uh for this traffic stop that happened at like two in the morning. And the initiating officer went up and made a traffic stop and he walked up on the driver's side and he asked the violator for his license and insurance and registration and there was definitely cues to the officer that there was a problem here. The ID was verbal only, the temp tag on the vehicle was fictitious. All these things were very clear to the officer at the time because he'd been around a minute he knew what he was doing and he knew that the name he had been given was fake. So he went back to his car and he called for a second unit and ran the name. So the second unit shows up and as they approach the vehicle on the second contact to let the driver know that, wow, surprise, the name came back with no record, Uh, the cover unit, the partner, went up on the passenger side and he went up just two or three steps ahead of the primary unit so uh ever since this happened family i'm here to tell you this is, is i try to do this every time i go up as a cover officer on the passenger side i try and go up a couple steps ahead because of this very story and if this in fact saves a life out there tomorrow or next week or next year because you've heard this story then that makes everything about this podcast and everything we've done here at the blue family tree one thousand percent worthwhile so he goes up on the passenger side, he's a few steps ahead, and the uh, primary officer is approaching just a few steps behind. Whereas well, the cover officer passes the B pillar on the passenger side and gets a good view down into the front passenger compartment, He can see that the violator now is holding a handgun up across his chest, pointed up over his left shoulder, right at where the primary officer is going to be standing in just a couple of seconds. He's also got his eyes turned looking for that primary officer. He has no idea that the cover officer is there. So the cover officer yells, gun, scares the crap out of the violator who turns and sees him, drops the gun on the floorboard, and peels out, peels the car away. I have no doubt in my mind to this day that if he didn't save that officer's life, he saved him from an officer involved shooting and possibly a serious injury, Uh, but I believe he probably saved his life that day. Family, that's being a good partner. Heads up, paying attention, getting out in front of the problems, and looking out for your buddy uh, because you know that something is awry. How many times has he gone up and been a partner in that exact same scenario and never seen a problem? probably thousands he was towards the end of his career he'd been a long seasoned cop at this point I'm sure thousands of times he'd gone up and done the same thing with no issues did he stop did he discontinue did he change his mode no he did exactly the same thing every time to look for his partner look out for his partner make sure things were done properly to keep him alive the number of good stories out there about a partner helping save the life of another partner Or just those partnerships within a community or within a police department, they're never ending. Partnerships are the most important thing we can develop in life between police officers or anybody else. You want to be a good partner with your bank teller and your grocery store clerk. You want to always be forming partnerships and bonds with people. And In order to do that, you have to give something to them. You have to look out for them. You have to support them. It's all about giving, and nothing could be more true than giving is more blessed than receiving. There is one facet of being a good partner, however, that might rub a lot of people listening to this podcast the wrong way. But it's important to know that being a good partner sometimes looks like being a bad partner. We no longer live in a world where that thin blue line can protect each other from stupid mistakes and certainly not from intentional vagrant mistakes we have to be responsible and hold each other responsible for the things that we do and we can't cover for each other in that aspect and honestly family to be a good partner to your partners on the street and to your agency and to your community that you serve you're you're doing everyone an injustice and hurting the entire community of law enforcement across the country if you do not hold your partners accountable when they need to be. I'm no, in no way saying be a rat and rat on everything every time everybody does anything, like wearing the wrong color socks according to policy. I'm saying hold each other accountable and be strict with each other where things like the Constitution is concerned. Because don't forget after all, that is your number one job is to protect that constitution, protect the people of your community, and being the kind of quote-unquote good partner who covers up and helps another officer is not what we're looking for and not what we need. We need officers who help each other before it gets to that point to keep officers out of trouble. Once they've crossed that line, we need officers who are good partners by holding each other accountable and doing the right thing when somebody's stepped over that line. You're listening to the Blue Family
1: Tree
0: Podcast. Through this journey that the Blue Family Tree has been on, we have met dozens upon dozens of law enforcement officers and law enforcement supporters from across the country. we opened our doors in the fall of 2016, and the number of partners and partnerships that we've been blessed with is, at this point, countless, and we're only a few years in. But the important thing is the reciprocation. We support other nonprofits and we support law enforcement officers and communities and families across the country and they support us back. Right now we're going to go through just a few of those and organizations that we support and we're going to introduce you to some great nonprofit law enforcement organizations that you can help support anywhere in the country. Joining me now is Rachel L. from Coins for Cops. Uh, You can find her at coinsforcops.net on the internet. And uh, Rachel, uh, I understand that you have a passion to kind of help give back to the community and the police that have supported us across the country. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where that came from and uh, what's going on with Coins for Cops?
2: Yeah, hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on. I used to be a firefighter, uh, volunteer firefighter for about two years and worked uh, very closely with police officers. So I have kind of that background. Uh, don't hold that against me. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Some of my um, best
0: friends are firefighters. We love, we love <laughs> our hose draggers here at uh, the Blue Family Tree. <laughs>
2: that's a good way of calling yes yes um but uh you know i just i i have friends who are police officers my dad was ex-military and i just have i've always had a soft spot for police i think what you what your job entails most people don't understand and um, like I've said a million times before, nobody ever calls the police when they're having a great day or come join us for the fun festivities. It's always you know when there's a problem going on, and you know it's very taxing, it's very wearing, and people need to understand that. And um, over the last year and a half, especially—not that this hasn't happened before in history—but like I just I was appalled by the way the the mainstream media and and several other you know outlets were were treating police officers and and uh, demonizing them. And, and I just, I couldn't stand it. It was horrible. I saw some of my friends who are police, um, I saw their morale just go down. And so I just needed to, for me, I, I just wanted to give back. I just wanted to let them know, hey, at least one person still <laughs> says thank you. And we do appreciate you. And so that's kind of how it was started.
0: Well, we appreciate it very much. And I'll tell you, uh, in a lot of communities across the country, there is a great deal of support. Uh, I know there's many cops out there, myself included, who we go out to lunch and people are uh, all too ready to come up and say, thank you. Uh, some even purchase your lunch for you. Uh, there's still a lot of great Americans out there that love their police. And to have uh, just one of those is an example, step forward and do Coins for Cops, really is amazing. Uh, So you have a coin that you basically adopt, you adopt agencies and then, um, and then honor the officers in those agencies with a coin.
2: Yeah, yeah. And actually, I have one right here. So I just changed the design just slightly now. But uh, this is the the old version, I get the new ones in very soon. But yeah, they get that and they get a thank you card. Um, and I try to, to to adopt whole departments at the same time. And that includes all personnel that includes, um, like for Surprise Arizona Police Department, I did all their volunteer police as well. Because, nice. um, yeah, because in and, and dispatch and, and records, because the, you guys all work together and without each part of the uh, of the department, it wouldn't work. So everybody gets it. So basically, what I have people do is, um, you can either just donate to me, uh, or or not me, but my organization. And um, and what then I do is, I pick a department. And I use those funds just to go to that department Um, or an even better strategy, which would really get the community involved as well, is you can call me and say, hey, I want to, you know, uh, I want to adopt the, you know, F department, whatever it is. And I say, "Okay, I will call them. Let me see how many personnel they have. Let's say they have 100 personnel. So then I call you back. I say, okay, it's going to cost this X amount of dollars plus shipping. Unfortunately, we can't get around that. But and then I say, you know, um, we can do this. I'll ship it to you. You can go deliver it, which is really fun to you. And then you can have a photo shoot with them. And then all I ask in return is is the photo uh, because I like to put it up on the website um, to show all the people that I've uh, that I've been able to think, which is really uh, the most fun for me. So there's lots of ways. You can also buy a coin for each coin that you buy at $15. You can uh, each uh, an officer is given another one.
0: Do you have any idea how many coins you've handed out at this point?
2: I have given out almost 750 Wow, so far. Yeah, I should be delivering to um, another department here, another 145 officers in the next, hopefully, week I will Mm -hmm. be doing that. And then I have 600 more coins uh, coming in in about two weeks, so that I'll be able to start giving those out.
0: And how much of a geographic reach have you had? I understand you're in California.
2: Yeah, I'm in Northern California. Um, I have given to Arizona. And then I also um, thanks to uh, Jason from uh, Caps for Cops, which is a very (laughs) similar name to mine. uh, He helped distribute them uh, in Vermont for me as well to several departments over there.
0: Family, uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast regularly, you're already familiar with Jason Gould. He's been on the podcast before, uh, and he's a big supporter of all nonprofits across the country. Uh, the guy just does nothing but sleep and then, uh, get up and work for cops. So he's, he's an amazing individual and, uh, Rachel's come to know that as well. So, well, that's amazing. So, uh, it sounds like you have to hit some mid ground still. So, we're, uh, while we're a national organization as well, we're based out of Colorado. So I throw down the challenge uh, to any of my listeners. I know I have a lot of listeners uh, in the Colorado area, but also around the country to adopt a uh, police department, a sheriff's department, a state patrol, and get a hold of Rachel. Uh, you can come through us and get a hold of Rachel. You can go straight to Rachel at coinsforcops.net and let's start adopting some agencies. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you, Rachel, that uh, the myself and the blue family tree are going to do our best to find an agency here in Colorado to adopt. And we will be working closely with you over the next few weeks to make that happen.
2: Oh, excellent. Yeah. And I all have coins ready for you and I will gladly send out immediately. I would love to get your department.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, we could start there and then we'll just keep working and we'll keep adopting adopting departments together and we'll get this done.
2: Oh, perfect. Thank you. That is amazing. And thank you for your service, by the way.
0: Well, thank you. And it's, you know, it's all about, uh, like we were talking about before you came on this episode, it's all about partners and, and partnerships and making sure you have the right people to have your back from call to call and, uh, on and off duty. So, uh, we'll be there to help, uh, ca- uh, coins for cops in this case, uh, do whatever we can to, uh, spread the, um, message that our cops are across the country are certainly appreciated. Thank you. And speaking of the devil, here's Jason Gould himself, the, uh, president of Caps for Cops, uh, up there in the upper right corner of the country. Jason, how are
3: you today? I am wonderful. Unfortunately, I am not the president of Caps for Cops. I cannot take that. Well, you might as well be. You're one of them leader guys in Caps for Cops. How about that? All right, I will be, uh, let's just call me the executive director. So tell us a little bit about Caps for Cops and,
0: uh, how it has become a partner with the Blue Family Tree and, uh, How we work together and
3: things that people can do to help support CAPS. We are a nonprofit organization. We started off collecting bottle caps. Uh, Quickly, quickly, quickly found out that it takes a lot of bottle caps to make any kind of money. So then we still maintain collecting the bottle caps. We migrated into collecting scrap metal because that's a beautiful um, community thing that we help pass on to our communities. Is uh, we have scrap metal drives where we collect scrap metal from the people, and then we recycle it. And whatever money we get from there, we you know continue to fund our missions that way. And our mission is very simple: it's to end the divide between citizens and police. Um, we just recently um, gave a local PD money for their canine. Their canine was sick; got rushed to the hospital. Mm. And um, yeah, how things work out here, I don't know how they work in your neck of the woods, but here in Vermont, the canines handlers themselves own the dogs, or the departments own the dogs, and then the they are solely responsible for all the money that and the care and the upkeep that goes into that. Yeah. And that's a lot, of, and that's a lot, a lot, a lot of money that have to have to to pay on to these departments to help those. Sure. So what we did was is um, we went ahead and we just donated 400 bucks just last night to help um, with medical bills for this local canine. Unit. Outstanding.
2: You know, so, I mean, that's all the thing. What
3: better way for any department that has a canine that reaches the kids and reaches the public and, you know, they show up with their canine dog and, um, you know, and that really bridges the divide because people are like, oh, I love that dog, you know, and you yeah. want to talk about, you want to talk about backup and you want to talk about having a good backup, a canine is the best backup that you can have. Absolutely, no I've seen some canines do amazing things. Like uh, my sergeant, uh, the first time I ever worked with a canine, my sergeant, he goes and uh, he goes, give me all your crap out of your pockets. So, you know, I give him my wallet and my phone and my this, that, I give him all that. And he just starts chucking it into this, this field tall grass in this field. just It's <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait I'm a minute, that's my stuff. I was like, whoa, what are you doing, man? That's a department issue phone. You just can't go chucking it like that. You know? And he's like, oh, relax, relax, you know? And then I saw the dog go there and just scour the whole area, and every time he found a piece, he would just sit and just he found it.
0: everything but your $500 cash, did he? Yeah,
3: he's, he found everything except for the <laughs> money that I had in my wallet, you know? I mean, go figure, you know? Right. But um, now that
0: dog's got a gold necklace.
3: <laughs> no, but you know, like when I had to wear the bite sleeve and stuff, it was just amazing training because, you know, he would have mm-hmm. a dog come sick me and then halfway through the dog reaching me, he would call the dog off and the dog would just sit and just stare at me right in front of me. Yeah, they're amazing that dogs. Is just amazing, you know.
0: I remember one uh one canine training I was in, I was I was a regular decoy for our department. So I got bit a lot and the dogs began to know, Hey, that's the guy I get to bite. So, uh, you know, they, they kind of, they get training scars just like we do. And, uh, this particular scenario, I was the bad guy in the, in the car on a felony stop who was compliant. So they got me out of the car. They prone me out on the road between their car and my car. And then the non-compliant subject was up in the car, Well, they released the dog to go get the non-compliant subject. And the dog has to run past me. Uh, he, he, he stopped at me and, uh, put his nose right on the back of my neck. And I about pissed my pants because I thought for sure the dog, uh, was just going to, was just going to chew me up. But, uh, then he moved on. He knew
3: his assignment He went back to work and, uh, got the guy out of the car. Yeah. They're
0: amazing dogs. Is this dog going to go back to work?
3: Uh, eventually it will, you know, he, um, the handler, let me know this morning that uh, they didn't have to do surgery, and the dog is home now and just recuperating and whatnot. We actually bought this uh, this canine team a a cruiser fan. That Whenever mm-hmm. the temperature gets too high, it automatically kicks on the fan, the windows all drop, and everything like sure. that. So, a must, a must you know, for those cars. Well, yeah, and that is, uh, it's a lot of money to go on to the, these departments to help fund, mm-hmm. to try to you know get a canine unit. But there's such an important tool to have in any neck of the woods. Well,
0: you do great and, things, not just for canines, but for the entire department. And you do great recognition of police officers across the country.
3: Well, we you try to, I, I appreciate it, you know, we try to, yeah. but um, the thing is, is how we got involved with uh, you know, you asked before, uh, you know, how we got involved with the uh, Blue Family Tree is uh, uh, back before when Josh was here, uh, he was our, the founder of um Cats for Cops. He uh, kind of got hooked up with you and um, we just kind of bridged that gap and just kept things going. And, um, uh, we set up several different fundraisers between you guys and us. And as far as I'm concerned is um, we're, we're all like a family, you know, when yeah. you want to start talking about the blue family, you know, I mean, that's what we all are is, uh, uh us on us nonprofits, us police supporters we're all part of one big blue family coalition and we all should support each other which i always try to do and i know you try to do and you know and certain other um non-profits do and it's just and that that's that's what we need to do because if we're all speaking with one voice out there and that that's the best and if we all support each other it's you know you have one mission and we have one mission and other people have other missions and you know um our mission is to thank the living and and your mission is to help try to honor and Protect the dead's family. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's it's the same goal, just different avenues trying to get there. You know. So I've been very blessed through my travels with the Blue Family Tree to have met such incredible police officers and police supporters across the country, and
0: organizations like yours who help support other organizations are are paramount, absolute key. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. We should be supporting each other and helping each other, not uh, trying to block each other and take from each other. Uh, family, if you want to collect scrap metal and give to uh, Caps for Cops, absolutely do so. If you want to support the Blue Family Tree, do that. If you want to do one or the other or both or none, that, that's entirely up to you. I'm not here to tell you to support one and not support another. Uh, all these nonprofits that you learn about through our podcast and our website are amazing nonprofits that support law enforcement across the country. Uh, and Jason absolutely is one of the best supporters of
3: other nonprofits that you'll ever meet. Oh, stop. But I can say one thing, though. Um, if giving money is great, but if they can't give money, which, you know, the only thing that we can ask for is, you know, help spread our mission, help spread our voice around, you know, yeah. click like. Click share on on, on on these stories and stuff. That, likes are great. Shares are better. Yeah, you know, share that stuff.
0: Get it around. Beat that algorithm on Facebook or whatever your social media platform is. Beat that algorithm by shares and likes. Absolutely. Well,
3: that's that's worth much more than just somebody giving me a couple of bucks for here and there. You know, You know just, what I'd like
0: to see people do out of this podcast and hearing your voice today, Jason, is I'd like to see people across the country beautify their own communities by collecting scrap metal and basically become mini Caps for Cops satellites that do what you do. They set up their own drive, they do the legwork, they beautify their community, and then they send the money to Caps for Cops who can then even turn around and put it back in their own community, wherever that is, uh, by finding a police officer that deserves to be honored.
3: Well, better yet, you know, I'm also looking for state representatives. So if there's anybody in a certain state that wants to be a rep for us, they can reach out to me. My email address is J-A-S-O-N at caps, the number four, cops.org. They can reach me there. They want to contact me and become a state rep. That's no problem. We can start talking about fundraisers. We can start talking about thanking police officers out there in your state. We can start talking about moving programs out there, having whatever, whatever they want to do. You know, we can we can try to do it out there, and that's no problem. But, you know, I, I do have to warn you, though, um, I come with a lot of baggage because, you know, if you want me along, you're going to get the Blue Family Tree stuff, <laughs> and you're going to get everybody else's stuff, too, because, you know. But I, it's all I, positive and no negative. There's I, come, no negative I come I come, kicking and screaming with everybody else's stuff, and that's the way it should be. I always, always, always try to post and try to promote positive, positive, positive police stories and stuff like that. And that's the way that it should be. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to help support, you know, so whatever I can do to help. Family follow Caps for Cops on your social media pages, and uh, make sure you get
0: in touch with them if you have some scrap metal or programs that you'd like to do and jump in and help Jason out up there in the upper right corner of the country. Jason, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome.
3: Nice talking to you.
0: Hey, 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 I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Yeah, always on vacation because he loves his occupation. It's Bill Kingston coming to you from down in Florida. Bill was a New York police officer who uh, has since retired and he's taken up a travel agency uh, idea. And I'll let Bill explain the rest to you. Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me, Patrick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you come from New York City? Yes.
4: I uh, did 21 years with the New York City Police Department Uh originally the transit police until there was a merge, uh-huh. uh, but I retired as a lieutenant with the New York City Police Department, had a great career, very successful, made a ton of friends, uh, had a ton of partners that remain to this day where I'm retired nine years and I still remain friends
0: with a lot of the people I worked with. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. And are there still any on the road up there? How long have you been out? Uh, I've been out nine years. Um,
4: unfortunately, most of the people I worked with have left over the last couple of years with a lot of the issues that are going on in New York, they uh, sure, sure. just really couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't stay on anymore. But I still have a couple of people that are still active.
0: What's the average career span of a New York City police officer type? I think 22 years is, is uh, up there, isn't it? Uh,
4: yeah, it it is. Uh, when I came on the job, if you retire at 20, I stayed a little bit longer than that. Um, some people stay considerably longer, they have to retire at 62 years old. Uh-huh. And there are people that walk out on their birthday, their 62nd birthday <laughs> and, and, uh, and do it. But a lot of people, if they have a good spot, they'll, they try to stay 25. I think now people in general are staying a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, the Younger people stay a little bit longer. The old timers like me can't get out fast enough because of uh, a, a lot sure. of changing situations.
0: So, how did you get into the travel agency business and uh, what's that look like for you now?
4: Well, I tell you, it's really interesting because I always loved to travel. Um, I had a passion for travel from when I was young. My parents, you know, we took even small vacations to Vermont or to Florida, little vacations here and there. And I always, uh, the when I retired, I was commanding officer of operations for the transit bureau. Uh-huh. It was a very high stress job. Um, a lot of anytime there was a major world incident. I was involved in deciding New York City's deployment for the subway system. Okay. Uh, Terrorist attacks, everything along those lines. So, you know, the kind of the old expression, work hard, play hard. Uh, When I take off, I would travel. I traveled a lot either with friends. I travel solo. Um, I kind of became, and I'm also a big person doing research. I research all the time. If I'm interested in buying something, I'm on the computer for a month researching everything I can about it. So Uh when I would travel, I'd do the same thing. And I retained a lot of it. And I ended up kind of being the person that people came to and asked about travel, you know, uh, Uh whether it be cruises or airlines or places to go and things along those lines. So about four years ago, I was taking a cruise with my wife after I retired. Uh, I went to a one of these meet and greets, met somebody who was doing travel agent work. I didn't think travel agents existed anymore. Right. Uh, they do. And I've discovered that it just serves such an amazing purpose. And I've connected with so many active retired law enforcement from all over the country. It's been great.
0: Yeah, that's great. As a matter of fact, uh, you sold me a vacation a few years back. That's kind of how we met uh, yes. to start with. So. Yes. Uh, so how do people find your agency and, and what's the benefit of them going to you rather than uh, somewhere else?
4: Well, they can f- usually most of my stuff's on Facebook. Um I'm Finest Travel Agency. You can find me on Facebook. My name is Bill Kingston. You can find my personal page too. Uh, The vast majority of my clients are active or retired law enforcement, military, some sort of first responder, and they're more friends than anything else. I do have a website, but uh, FinestTravelAgency.com. But... Generally, most of, my, uh, most of my clients come to me through Facebook, through recommendations and various law enforcement groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been overwhelming. The response from people from all over the United States, active cops, retired cops of all ages has just been overwhelming. And it's been great because I've kept that connection with the brotherhood and the sisterhood, right. which is easily lost the longer you retire from the job. And I'm able to give back a little bit and help. Some people uh, plan trips.
0: Good, good. That's excellent. And So family, I can tell you from my experience with Bill uh, booking my trip to the Dominican Republic, he found a few different uh, places we could go and gave me a few options uh, and really narrowed it down in large part because he had been there. He had been to the Dominican Republic. This guy has traveled. If you start following him on Facebook, he's in a different corner of the world every day uh, <laughs> when you look on Facebook. So he he travels. He sees it himself. He kind of takes a menu of different areas, and then uh, presents that to you when you tell him where where you want to go, and he finds the best deals in those areas, and uh, he he's able to cut those rates sometimes on the all-inclusives. I think that's what he did for me. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when I uh, just like Bill just said, when I want to buy something, particularly a vacation. I do a lot of research as well, so I gave Bill a chance and I looked at what he had, and then I went off on my own to try and make it myself, mm-hmm. and I couldn't make it as cheap as Bill got it for me. So, uh, I think you use uh, some of your own travel rewards or points to help bring those prices down.
4: Yeah, I do. I there's there's no fees or anything like that. Um, you know, I do this all as basically as a service to uh, you know my active and retired brothers and sisters. The value in using my services is that. I'll find the fit for people. It's not always going to be necessarily cheaper. A lot of times it is sometimes the same price. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that people go to a place that's going to fit them. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, I don't work for any one of the travel agency, uh, you know, travel suppliers or cruise lines or anything like that. I'll find the fit. The fit for you might not be the same fit for the next person. Or it's basically, what are you looking for in travel? And then I use reliable suppliers people that if there's an issue I'm going to be able to get on the phone and fight for whoever is booking Mm -hmm. like it's like my brother or sister I get on the phone I do it regularly especially with all the pandemic cancellations I spend a lot of time fighting on the phone with different suppliers and sometimes I'm successful sometimes I'm not but in general I do everything I can to make you know to make it the best possible fit and best possible value and save aggravation for everybody.
0: Nothing like traveling out of the country and knowing that you have a a liaison on the phone backstage side who can jump in and help you with whatever you need.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I've done that. I had, uh, when the pandemic hit last March, I had clients stuck in Aruba. I had cancellations. I've had uh, a lot of clients that have had to make last minute changes due to travel restrictions or testing. And uh, it's not easy to navigate if you don't have the right phone numbers. That's one of the things I always found. One of my successes in the NYPD was I had a list of phone numbers a mile long that if uh-huh. something came up, one of the chiefs needed something, I had somebody I could call to kind of get the mission accomplished. And it's the same thing as I, I build the travel business, I build more relations with, uh, hotels and suppliers. I know where to call. I know how to kind of how to get things
0: accomplished. Sure.
4: Again, no guarantees with everything, but I do one hundred and ten percent.
0: It sounds like you took a proven model from uh, the finest police agency in the country and uh, turned it into a model for uh, helping people get their vacations together. So you're a great uh, you're a great partner to law enforcement for uh, helping people get the much needed vacations and mental breaks that they need. Uh, we'll probably talk more about that somewhere down the road a few months from now. But I just wanted uh, the people out there to know that you exist and uh, have the opportunity to book their well-deserved vacations through you bill thanks for your time i appreciate you coming on the show today
4: thanks so much for having me patrick and to you and uh, all your listeners be safe get home at the end of the tour and uh, please let me know if i can ever help you with anything personally or
0: professional you're listening to the blue family tree podcast Coming to us now is Randy Sutton over there in Las Vegas, Nevada. He's the founder of The Wounded Blue, and big things are happening over there at The Wounded Blue. Randy, how are you doing today?
5: Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So what's, uh, what's new over there? I hear you have a big uh, uh, event coming up in Vegas, and you've uh, been touring around, talking to some different shows about The Wounded Blue.
5: Oh, well, absolutely. So The Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. And we've been operational for about two and a half years, helped um, uh, almost 10,000 law enforcement officers in that time, which is it's an astounding number. And what we we do is we provide peer support for injured and disabled officers, whether those injuries are physical or emotional and psychological. So my team is made up entirely of police officers, law enforcement officers who have been seriously injured, shot, stabbed, beaten, run Mm -hmm. over, screwed up and screwed over. And uh, the, and they are they want to continue to serve and they do so very very admirably. So one of the things that is important in our mission, our, our mission statement is very very simple: to improve the lives of injured and disabled officers through our SEAL approach—support, education, assistance, and legislation. So as far as our education component, we got something really cool happening. Um, you know, in this in this new day and age where where we think that the public is, is against us, there really is a whole bunch of folks out there that truly support law enforcement. Yeah, and sure. um, we have a we have our major fundraising event. We've had a plan for the last couple of years, but had to reschedule it a couple of times because of COVID, but it's scheduled for October 30th of this year. It's called the Brothers in Blue Bash. It is a celebration of law enforcement unity and pride to support the wounded blue, so I was going to some uh, lo- local business people looking for sponsorships for this, and I went to go visit the uh, largest, the president of the largest construction company in Nevada. Its name is uh, Guy Martin, and Guy and I sat down. And I hit him up for for a sponsorship, five or ten thousand bucks for this for the bash, and he says, "You know, I really love what you guys are doing over there." What would you do if you had the resources? How would you have a, a wider effect on law enforcement? And I, I said, I know exactly what I would do. I said, I would create a training event like no other um, to teach every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, psychologically, family, relationship survival. And he said, okay, uh, how much do you think that would cost? And I said, I'm going to only guess 40,000, 50,000 bucks. Well, guess what? He made it happen.
0: Are you and kidding me?
5: No, I'm not kidding you one little bit. And so, this training event that's coming up October 28th, 29th, and 30th here in Las Vegas is going to be a training event like no other. Um, first of all, I've got the premier speakers on law enforcement coming Dr. Kevin Gilmartin, who wrote the book Excellent. Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. He's, a, he's been a good friend to me for many, many years. I have Jason Schechterly, the uh, who, who survived the horrible burns uh, when his patrol car was hit, and is one of the one of the most uh, dynamic speakers I've ever heard about survival. I've got um, uh, Dave and Betsy Smith. You remember J.D. Buck Savage? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
5: his they were the the lead survival instructors for law enforcement uh, for many many years. They're premier. They're the best in the business. Um, I've got. I've got um, Vicki Newman, who wrote How to Love Your Cop, and her husband, who was a deputy chief in uh, CHP. Um, This is going to be an amazing training conference. But one of the jobs that I had, you know, I'm a retired lieutenant from Las Vegas Metro. And one of my jobs was to I was in charge of advanced training for the department for years. And um, I went to I went to untold numbers of training conferences and most of them, quite honestly, you couldn't wait to get the hell out of them. Right. They were, they, they were just, you know, they were they were kind of dull, even well, for though the, for a lot of the country,
0: good. it's uh, hey, there's a there's a training in Vegas, let's go. And that's not yeah, probably, probably well, not that way for you.
5: Right, right. So we're making this. So this is gonna be this is not only gonna be incredibly powerful, but it's gonna be incredibly fun. The first night I have uh, Mike Mancini, the world's funniest cop, performing. Okay. On Friday we have a full blown country concert. With one of the presenters, who is a retired Black Hawk helicopter pilot who served in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, Fantastic. lost both of his brothers in combat, mm. and he speaks about grief. But he is also an award winning country music performer. He's performed at, at uh, the Grand Ole Opry. He's performed at Madison Square Garden. He is amazing, and wow. I got a sponsor to bring his whole band in. We're gonna have a full blown country concert on Friday,
2: and then Saturday show. Now,
5: is the brothers in blue bash. And we've got, uh, Tommy, Tommy Laird from Fox news is hosting it with me. So this is going to be a hell of an event. Uh, where's your venue and, there. And sorry,
0: where's the venue there in
5: Vegas. It's, it's going to be at a boutique hotel, the Ahern hotel, which is right off Las Vegas Boulevard on Sahara. Okay. They're, they're giving rooms to, to us for less than a hundred bucks a night. Great hotel. And, uh, Don Ahern is also a supporter of The Wounded Blue. It's going to be just us. There will be no other guests allowed in this hotel.
0: Oh, wow. That's great.
5: So, yeah. So this is going to be in a... There's never been a training conference like this. I and
0: there it. probably never will be again.
5: And yes, there will be. Because we're already planning next year. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Excellent. I'd like to hear yeah. it. Is there room yeah. still in this one?
5: Yep, there is. There's about there's 100 seats left. So uh, I urge people to go to thewoundedblue.org. That's thewoundedblue.org. And look under events, which is cheap as hell. It's 295 bucks, And that includes breakfast and lunch. Excellent. So, yeah, you can't beat it. You really And it can't. sounds like yeah. you
0: have all the bases covered, not just on duty, but off duty, surviving a career, dealing with the aftermath of something tragic uh, in your career. Uh, it sounds like you got it all covered with some of the best in the business.
5: We absolutely do. Um, it's it's going to be an inspirational. It really is.
0: And of course, it's
5: going to save save lives. That's that's what that's what we're all about is saving lives.
0: That's number one, not just saving lives, but saving quality of life as well. Yep, exactly. Yep. And then, of course, anything raised, any proceeds from this go right back either into the wounded blue or towards these uh, officers that need that kind of assistance.
5: Correct. Exactly. So we are a nonprofit. Uh, Nobody takes any salaries. Uh, All my all monies that we raise go back into operational
0: costs. That's excellent, and then you mentioned uh seal and I, I would imagine you have a uh, big uphill battle on the legislative side that probably requires some dollars uh, dealing with uh, the uh, in, the insurance companies and the uh, workers' comp companies. I'm sure they're probably your biggest nemesis
5: they what what is going on in this country when it comes down to officers who are being injured is absolutely sickening um, i mean i Many my my team have been victimized by their own bureaucracies. For instance, you know, most people, now this has actually been an uphill battle for the Wounded Blue. Most people think that if you get shot or stabbed or run over and you're a cop, you're going to get taken care of. You're going to sure. get good medical. You're going to get a pension. You're going to get taken care of. It's not true. Those of us areas. in the
0: business know that's not the case.
5: Right. Yeah. Now, in some places where they have strong unions and strong workers comp laws, then they don't have as much of a battle. But many, um, I mean, what happened to me, the reason that I I knew about this was why the reason I retired from Metro was I had a stroke in my police car Mm. That, that ended my career. But then the department literally turned its back on me and refused to pay my medical bills, forced forced me to go to court and fight them for a year. Right. And they knew they had to. They just didn't do it. Well, that was f- for an on-duty stroke, and it was very clear in the workers' compensation laws that we have here that it was covered. M- officers around the country are being shot or being run down, right. and they're and they're not and they're having their medical their their medical issues declined.
0: Yeah, because that um, might have happened anyway, right? Even if they weren't on duty. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> that's, it, that's the argument they give you. It's literally
5: yeah. outrageous. I mean. We have a documentary film. I don't know if you have had a chance to see it. It's called "The Wounded Blue: Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed." Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon. It's on all the. It's, it, it'll shock you. It'll blow your. It'll blow your mind, because I mean, we have an officer in Oklahoma shot in the head by a suspect. They don't give him a neurologist, saying it's medically unnecessary. Yeah. They don't pay his medical bills for a year and a half. He loses his house. Lo- loses his car. I mean, it's out. It's absolutely an outrage. So fighting them. Fighting them is really, really difficult. They have all the power. They right. have all the money. But we have had some successes changing or re, uh, kind of um, streamlining the public safety officer benefit program from the Department of Justice. We've been working with, uh, with the senators. Uh, Heidi Paulson is my legislative liaison. She is married to a severely injured disabled officer who has been fighting the good fight for years, literally. Yeah. And we finally had a little bit of, of uh, breakthrough uh, in uh, in easing the restrictions for uh, public safety officer benefit for severely injured officers. So Good. that's still, but it's a long, slow process. And every day, every day we're fighting. And but every state's most, probably
0: different. You, you, you can't just win in one state, you got to go to each state.
5: That's the problem because every single state. Has a different workers' compensation law, right. so there's no there's no law firms that that cover each they cover every state. It's really it's a it's a mess. It's a mess.
0: Well, I'm sitting here as a as a 20 plus year cop uh, with a, a L five and L uh, L four injury, and uh, you know the the duty belt every day, and the yeah. and the interior armor, and then the getting in and out of a car. And then I got hit on my motorcycle. And so I had some back pain and back injury from that. And uh, my workers comp uh, told me they've never heard of uh, police officers with lower back pain before. And uh, clearly that's a lie. They've heard of that and they've dealt with it and they've paid it out before. But here I am uh, yeah. getting no help from workers comp.
5: No, they, they, they fight you every single. They will, they will pay a lawyer tens of thousands of dollars to, to keep from paying you anything.
0: And, yeah. and hopefully your agency steps in and has something to say about it. But a lot of times the agency uh, tries to step out of the way and keep wash their hands of it.
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's that's another that's a whole nother
0: <laughs> subject. Right.
5: The, uh, yeah. I mean, we've we've had we've had departments that the chief won't even visit a, a cop who was shot in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, and 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 denied payment.
0: It, and, here it's, we, and here we talk about the blue family and how we have each other's yeah. back and how we look out yeah, for yeah, each yeah. other. But uh, then we always run into things like this. And it's you know it's usually legal, uh, legal in nature or administrative in nature. Uh, hopefully the line level's there for each other. But we see that too, where sometimes that line level breaks down deteriorates away on an officer.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, probably the number one trauma that I hear about literally every single day is I feel abandoned and I feel alone by my de- by my department right. and by my old partners. So, so it's groups
0: like yours and mine and others uh, that are also uh, partners with the Blue Family Tree that kind of help keep them tied in and not allow them to drift away and be forgotten. But it takes a conscious effort on part of the officers involved. And it can't just be a, or, uh, organizations like ours. It has to be their day-to-day officers on the street who stay with them and keep them plugged in.
5: Yeah and the the motto of our organization is never forgotten never alone. Right. And that's that's really probably the most important part of the the concept because you know when you for, when you are forgotten when you feel like you're alone and abandoned that's when depression sets in that's when hopelessness and helplessness and we know that that leads to suicide. Yeah. So yeah, for sure you know, fighting fighting suicide uh is is a major part of what we do.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, uh, and I understand you have something coming up on uh, the Fox network that we can all look forward to as well.
5: We got a couple things happening. September 11th, I will be in St. Petersburg, Florida with a number of people from my team. And we are participating. We are the, the charity of choice of the great American pickleball event. Wow. It's a marathon. It's a pickleball marathon. From 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Saint Petersburg, and it's going to be televised. It's going to it, it, this. This is going to be a f- great fun event. The um, the guy who's putting it on is named Billy McGee. Billy has um, a company. Well, he's got a big tennis center down there. But he he's his, his nickname is King Pickle, and King Pickle is putting on an event that's never been done before. They're trying to get A million pickleball players across the United States to all play during this twelve-hour marathon. Okay, all kinds of celebrities going to be participating. They're going to the the world champion is going to teach me how to play pickleball, (laughs) Uh, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be at – that sounds really cool. Berg's Sports Bar in Saint Petersburg, Florida, which is this immense sports bar, can hold ten thousand
0: people. Okay, wow, wow, that's amazing, and it is.
5: It is so cool, Fergs.
0: Yeah, All right. and is it just so a show gotta, up? Uh, show up, or do you have to go register?
5: Uh, you got to register if you're going to watch it. But well, you can go to the, to the Wounded Blue, and there's a link there that that'll take you to, to Billy McGee's link. Okay, uh, but it's going to it's going to be fun as hell. That's awesome. So we got that. Then we've got. I just got back from New York, literally yesterday. Um, I, I had the the great pleasure and honor of being uh, interviewed on a, um, a show which uh, is Pete Heska's show called Modern Warrior. And for the first time in the history of the show, uh, every other show has been about the military warriors. And for the first time, he's doing a show on law enforcement warriors. So it was myself, Betsy Smith, who is actually being, you know, is a trainer at our conference, uh-huh. Gary McCarthy, who used to be the superintendent of police at uh, in Chicago. And, uh, and a young officer who gave up his career from, in Dayton, Ohio, because of the politics there and 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 uh, everything that's happening. So it was really interesting perspectives. It's going to air, I think, on the 12th or the 13th. And it'll be on Fox and Friends. It'll be on The Five. It'll be on Pete's show. And then it, uh, Director's Cut will be on Fox Nation.
0: Wow. So okay. we're going
5: to get a lot of exposure. Um, about, and it sounds like about- a great
0: panel to hear from anyway.
5: It is, and it was really, it was a very well done show. Um, it, it was basically Pete posed some conversational questions, and then we just took it from there. And you know, when you're talking to when cops talk to cops, as as with the veteran part of it, you know, we all speak the same language. And we're all yeah. talking about, uh, and it was it, it was a very easy, free flow kind of a, a presentation. So I think it's going to be a great show. And I Wayne, got to do go ahead full minute on on what the wounded blue is so getting exposure for the organization is vital vital
0: yeah absolutely that's what it's all about
5: that was great and then we got on november 4th in st louis i have uh um a group of uh retired homicide cops who have a big training company down there they're putting on a cigar dinner for us okay uh, at a country club they're paying the whole freight People and for 150 bucks, you get a full meal of the Country Club, open bar, and cigars. Excellent. And they're they're donating the money that they raise to the Wounded Blue.
0: And you'll so, be there for that as well, then I guess.
5: Absolutely, I certainly will. I'm going awesome. to you. Think yeah. I'm going to miss a cigar <laughs> and a cocktail? Come on!
0: I don't think so. <laughs> and and you could you could find that on your website as well.
5: Yes. Yeah, that'll be on there as well.
0: Okay. Well, wow, you guys got a lot going on. That's excellent.
5: Yeah, and that's, you know, and you add that to the day-to-day operations. Um, We are also very exciting about this. In 2022, we are going to begin creating our chapter program throughout the United States. Uh Now, we are a national charity, but what we hope to do is with each chapter, raise enough money to uh, bring PCIS. PCIS is post-critical incident seminars these are these are very expensive to put on because you're bringing in the psychologists you're bringing in a whole group of people but these are life-changing seminars for people who are suffering from post-traumatic stress injury Mm -hmm. Um, it it is so effective it literally saves lives and keeps people from having to go into into deep trauma therapy very often so our, our goal here is to right now PCIS is only available in a handful of states, mm-hmm. um, but we, we intend to bring it throughout the United States. And by, by creating the chapter program, each chapter will support these, these PCIS uh, seminars across the country.
0: You have, a, uh, you have a very critical job and you're an incredible partner to the wounded police officers all over the country. Uh, are you, are you going to be making it back to I, I, I already know the answer. Are you going to be making it back to police week when it resumes, hopefully next year?
5: Oh, absolutely. Uh, we were, um, we're I, I assume it's going to be in May.
0: Yeah, I would uh, hope so. They're
5: having they're having a police week, but it's going to be like a scaled down version of it in October. But they but there's so many restrictions. They're going to they're going to kind of turn it down a little
0: bit.
3: So we kind of got ourselves
0: overbooked in October. Uh, you know, we weren't anticipating police week coming up in October. So, uh, we kind of got ourselves overbooked, but hopefully in May, we'll see you back there uh, next year in DC.
5: I intend to be right there.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So family, make sure you're looking around for, uh, for the wounded blue and for Randy, uh, just to recap here, uh, man, he's got a, a full schedule, but starting in September, he'll be in St. Pete, Florida, uh, playing, playing some, uh, Pickleball, pickleball, and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I've Did ever played. Did you know there's the
5: fastest growing sport in America?
0: Uh, no, I never would have guessed that. No, no.
5: Yep, it is the fastest growing sport in America. There are millions of people playing it, and um, and so we're we're hoping to be on the on the cutting edge of this. And this is going to be so cool because the whole point of this is to not just raise money for the Wounded Blue, but to, to but to keep the memory of September 11th alive.
0: Right, of you course. Know,
5: you know, we see we see right now. Um, you know, schools are are not teaching about it, right? Um, and 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 this is twentieth anniversary, yeah. so we need to really let people know that we will never forget nine yeah. eleven. In fact, we're we're building a thirty five foot replica of the World Trade Center for this event.
0: Oh, excellent! Oh, that's gonna be incredible. So,
5: It's going to be really incredible. It really is. And we got a whole bunch of retired uh, football players are playing and celebrities. And uh, it's just going to be a blast. I'm going to be a tired buckaroo by the end of that day. I can tell you that.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And then you got to find yourself over in Vegas. So uh, of course that's where you live, but then you'll be on the other side of the country there uh, October 20th to the 30th. And then in St. Louis and November 4th. Um, And then make sure that you're looking for them on Fox in the coming week or two. Uh, yeah, there's something for everybody to participate in around the country uh, with the Wounded Blue. And then just if they just want to contact you and help your organization out, it's thewoundedblue.org. And what if they are themselves a wounded officer? Is there something they need to do to get in touch with you?
5: Easy. We have a contact form on the website
0: mm-hmm.
5: and, um, or, or Facebook, the Wounded Blue. We get a ton of contacts through Facebook. And also, believe it or not, and this is, I think, a testament to how good my peer support team is. Uh, 80% of our referrals come from people we've already helped.
0: Yeah. So that it's
5: it's it's tremendous. And if people want to get involved with us, they want to become a sponsor of of one of these events, they can contact me personally, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. It's Randy at thewoundedblue.org. Um, we've, we've, we're partnering with a lot of people from around the country. It's challenging what we're doing, but it's also very fulfilling. Yeah. And, and I'm so proud of my team, uh, who, um, Eddie Richardson is my CEO. He was run down. He was ambushed and run over by a suspect in South Carolina when he was a deputy. Um, they didn't give him the proper medical attention when they could have fixed him. Uh, instead, he's living with a life of pain mm-hmm. because they refused to fix. They refused to fix what could have been fixable. Right. Um, I've got. Uh, I, I mean, my team is is amazing. These they've been shot, they've been stabbed, they've been beaten, and yet they still um, work tirelessly to help their brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, you've never you've never seen a team like this. Um, I, they're going to be at the uh, at the bash, the Brothers in Blue bash. And at the uh, law enforcement survival summit, and um, I, I can't wait for them to meet all the people that that they have, um, that that you know are in the law enforcement community.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Well, uh, the Blue Family Tree is super proud to be partnering with the Wounded Blue as well, and uh, I'm I'm super proud to see how well you guys have done and how many people you've helped. It's just to just to know you guys and be a part of that from the outside is pretty awesome. So, I uh, I commend you on the work that you've done. Yeah, Randy, it's it's been great talking with you, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
5: That sounds great. Thanks for having me on the show. And remember, thewoundedblue.org.
0: There it is. If you want to find Randy and the Wounded Blue, you're going to go to thewoundedblue.org. Of course, our friends over there at Coins for Cops, it's coinsforcops.net. Caps for Cops is caps, the number four, cops.org. And then, of course, Bill at finesttraveltips.com, and you can find all of them online at your social media sites and many more uh, groups that we partner with are going to be on our website at thebluefamilytree.org go check them out Uh, we have all sorts of partners under there that you can check out and see different things that people do we even have a section where you can go state to state and look for businesses that support the blue And start giving your purchase dollars to people who care about what you do for a living. Uh, Make sure you get on there and you submit businesses that do just that in your area. And we will get them included. Right now it's fairly sparse. We need folks out there to start sharing with us those local businesses that support police. Don't forget to email patrick.rice at thebluefamilytree.org if you'd like to do the intro and outro. Or if you have something to say on the podcast that you think could save police lives until next time, God bless.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Blue Family Tree podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe for future episodes. You can listen to us on iTunes and Spotify, and of course, thebluefamilytree.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Remember, our primary mission is to provide families of fallen peace officers with a financial gift made up collectively from law enforcement families and close law enforcement supporters from around the country through small monthly donations. Learn how you can contribute to our collective gift at thebluefamilytree.org.
0: You're listening to the Blue Family Tree Podcast.